It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I am Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And today we are going to talk not only about the game to review the loss to the Vikings on Sunday, which is how we typically spend our Wednesday podcast, but uh, I want to actually take some time, Logan, for once. Normally we just have to skip over all of this because the the news moves so fast, but I want to batten down on a little bit of this ownership stuff and specifically spin it forward to what could be. Obviously, if there's any late-breaking news on anything on that front, you can always check out 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 for live and local reaction. But, Logan, the news of the day, the thing that I will start my radio show with on Tuesday, which anybody listening to can go back and listen to, but we're in the weird podcast time continuum where uh, we haven't actually done this radio show yet. But start talking about this uh, this dinner in L.A. that Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z had and the fact that legitimately it looks like there's interest there to be owners of the commanders when Dan Snyder sells this thing over the next six months or so. And one, I'm just curious, like, I feel like you're almost the wrong guy to ask this because you're just like, I don't care. I just here to play football. But like, if a guy like Jay Z is your owner um, or even Jeff Bezos, like Bezos is famous, famous. Um, Jay Z is a different kind of famous, but like what, what kind of impact would that have on the club? And, you know, even thinking around the locker room, like, how does that change the football? And then I want to get into like what Jeff Bezos's money could buy as well. But the idea of these celebrities <laughs> getting involved, like kind of a new thing in the NFL, but what would it, what would it mean if anything? I mean, I don't, I mean, I personally don't think it means anything like, it, you know, it might help with free agent acquisitions. You know, the idea that the owner would come out and shake a, you know, priority free agents hand and say, Hey man, you know, we'd love to have you here in Washington. I think that carries some clout with certain guys. Um, I know owners, around the league do that you know like guys meet jerry jones it's kind of oh you know i'm important enough to be here but you know in reality like most owners and i would expect bezos to be this way and maybe i'm wrong i I don't think he'd be that involved on a day-to-day basis you know um i think there is this also tendency for owners to like treat treat this like fantasy football and i'm not sure how that would be you know everyone says oh well, it'd be nice to have somebody new but maybe bezos is like i want this to be my own little personal fantasy football team and i'm going to do whatever i want to get this done and it gets worse from like a personnel standpoint. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, it, I guess on some level it's cool, but like um, I think it's important for people to understand, like you have v- little to no interaction with the owner. Very, very little. Like they're very everywhere. I've been very rarely around the facility. You know, I think I shook the owner in San Francisco's hand one time when I signed and then I didn't see him again. Didn't meet the person in Chicago didn't like talk face to face with Arthur Blank. He's around, but didn't talk with him. 
And then obviously Dan, I was here for six years and I think he said a combined like 15 words to me the whole time I was here. So it's, it's not like this, it's going to affect the day to day a lot, but I think in maybe some high leverage situations, it's like, Hey, Jay-Z, you want to come out and, you know, meet, you know, whoever it is, Odell Beckham and see if we can get him to sign here. And that might, you know, be impactful on some level. Yeah. I'm going to reframe what you said though, a little bit, because I do think it does impact the day to day. It does not impact the day to day experience of a player right like if you're walking through the halls you right. are not impacted by who the owner is he's not coming up saying hello to you he's not necessarily giving you like oh hey you know i've been a very successful business person let me give sure. you this piece of advice but who your coach is is impacted by the owner because that person hired the president or you know executive football operations whatever that person hires the head coach and the gm or whatever order that happens that person hires the position coaches so there's like trickle down from ownership that's obviously very important. And, you know, that owner's ability to make those decisions is going to impact everything. Robert Kraft's decision to hire Bill Belichick and put him in charge of everything is a big reason why the Patriots have six Super Bowl titles while Belichick's been in charge there. Um, sure. Obviously, here there's been a lot of decisions that haven't worked out well. Some of them were sound in uh, decision making process and just didn't work out. Some of them, I think, were pretty, pretty fairly and heavily criticized at the time. Uh, we don't need to suss out uh, who, which was what now those things, uh, those things have been happening for 23 years. Um, there's obvious, you know, on the business side, those things as well. So like there's obviously an ability, but I do think it's important to note um, that business success, like Jeff Bezos ability to build Amazon is not going to make him inherently great at hiring people yeah. for football. It's a completely different thing. Um, but there is an obvious impact. It's just like on a player level, you're not, feeling that in any kind of direct way yeah you wouldn't feel it in any direct way and i think like you said i think those subsequent hires you know team president you know general manager whatever he's involved with you know the team that he assembles to make that hire th those will be more impactful long term for the health and wellness of this organization and the roster but you know and again like it's it's really interesting i think that some of these very very successful business people they just when it comes to football they just don't get it they don't understand the operations of it they don't um you know uh they're they're used to working in a very specific kind of business environment and you know i, I have this like kind of anecdotal story from when i was in san francisco and they fired jim harbaugh and you know they kept the general manager i forget who it was at the time and so one of the things that I think it was bulky wasn't it yeah bulky right and so and everyone says oh that was a big mistake but you know bulky had a better personal relationship with the owner at the time. And I think when you look at that, like that's something that happens in like the business world. It's like personal relationships, who you want to work with, but also I think it's understanding the expertise, right. And who is the thing like who and what is the thing that's carrying the organization. And those things for football are, as we've talked about, are very nebulous and tenuous for people who are involved, you know, emphatically with it. Right. Like, you know, even like things like that Kyle would do. And I think Kyle's a genius, right. He would do that are kind of befuddling or confusing or confounding that he would later kind of have to backtrack. Like it, it's, it's a much more difficult proposition for whatever reason. Um, you know, I think because of the, the, the human element of it and the product is so human in that it's so varied, um, you know, it becomes very challenging. So even if they do make the right decision, even if there is the sound, the process is sound, doesn't necessarily mean anything in terms of the product on the field, in terms of immediacy. But I do think, right. you know, uh, a change in ownership seems, and you would know better than me, seems like it would have a more positive effect on, the stadium deal, for example. And I think well, that's yeah. a very pressing, you know, 
pressing thing that needs to be resolved sooner rather than later, probably. Right. Well, that at that point or at this point, just the reality of the situation is Dan can't get a new stadium. And right. the, the only way that, that the commanders are playing in a new stadium with Dan Snyder as the owner, which I don't think even that is possible at this point, based off the reporting, um, is that if he were to rebuild on the land he already owns in Landover, because um, he's not getting any new permits and he's certainly not getting any public funding, which considering that he had D.C., Maryland and Virginia that should have been bidding against each other is uh, is not great. Uh, we, we can put it that way. Um, I do think the other thing that's different about football and like regular business is there is in any particular game only one winner and the scoreboard is extremely definitive. Like the way Amazon defines success versus their competitors in any given space, like the competitor might also claim victory. If Amazon does 100% of sales and, and someone else does 67% of those sales, that might have been the sales goal of that other company. Like they right. they both can win. And, and in football, there's wins and losses. And at the end of the year, there's a champion crowned and it's, there's a scoreboard. And that it, that immediately makes it different from any other business where you can arbitrarily change the goals. Not that uh, every team is, you know, looking every year to win the championship. Realistically, some teams are going to be in a growth phase. Some teams are like, we're competitive now. Some teams might be like, hey, we were competitive, but our guys are old and now we're in a rebuilding phase. Um, but all those teams will play on Sundays and there will be a scoreboard and they are all trying to, within the next five years, win a Super Bowl. And so that definitive black and whiteness of the competitive uh, situation, I think also varies it from a business standpoint, which affects the decisions that you make and means that the resources that you have available need to be maximized. Some of those are limited by laws of competitive balance, salary cap, et cetera, sure. a very fancy way of saying that. But then there's others that are not. And that that's actually another area I wanted to, to pick your brain on a little bit <clears throat> is the facilities, right? Washington's facilities are far behind many in the league. I don't know if they're the worst. Um, I think the stadium is is pretty pretty uh, critically renowned as the worst. But mm -hmm. a bigger impact on winning and losing is like, what's your practice facility like? What kind of investments do you have in human infrastructure of strength conditioning coaches, your weight room, uh, your recovery centers, uh, your nutritionists? Like what resources and space do they have to work? And if you look at a place like Minnesota, uh, some of the stuff they have in Chicago that I've seen, um, obviously San Francisco, another place you played has new stuff that they built around the new stadium a couple of years ago. They're just miles ahead of what Washington has. Washington's due for an upgrade and, and to their credit, they have upgraded a lot yeah. of stuff, uh, even since, you know, you, you left here in 2016, but what kind of impact does that have? And also what kind of impact would a guy like Bezos who has basically unlimited resources have on their ability to create a better place for players to work and train here in dc yeah i mean i think that's a really good question you know obviously when i got here um it was kind of unequivocally you know got, free agents would come in and say man this is you know the worst yeah. like we didn't really have like a wet room you know where you've got your cold and hot tubs um we had a hot tub but it was like you know from the 80s or the uh the early 90s late 80s and we had a steam room and it was very, very from that same time period and so over the course of the last 10 years or so they've done some renovating they've they've made the weight room much larger like at the time it could barely accommodate you know a 50-man roster which is not exactly what you want to do and it really limits what you can do from like a lifting standpoint um they've added a wet room since then they've added sleep pods and a recovery area to the building which is all great you know that's all good yeah. but i do think that the the facilities compared to some of the stuff that's out there are 
limited, you know, and I do think like those, you know, we got to mention the kitchen. I think in my playing career, you know, after they brought in the new chef there in 2013 or 14, that became the best food I ever had in the NFL second, probably to San Francisco, right. Or right. Like in the same ballpark, you know, so they've done some things that are good, but I think because of the facility, because the age of the facility, because of the size of the facility, it does, it does kind of negatively impact free agents desire to sign with the organization um, for whatever reason, you know, and I think uh, that's changing slowly, but I think, you know, when you have somebody who's willing to write, big checks and do big things like just as an example you know when uh when mike got here there was no indoor practice facility there's no Mm -hmm. bubble and um and i remember you know we would practice like come hell or high water outside on the grass and we practiced on that crazy astro turf out there you know when it was snowing which hasn't been used forever yeah and it's, it's just taking up space yeah it's really outdated and all that kind of stuff so um and mike basically had to like kind of pull a power move to get Dan to put it in because he's like, this is something that makes that gives us a competitive advantage. And so obviously Dan was reluctant to do that. He's running a business. He's trying to make smart business decisions. And he felt that was not necessary for making smart business decisions. And I think part of that is, you know, like the team was very good and they never had a bubble, you know, when they won their straight three Super Bowls, they never had a bubble. But Mike's point was kind of like now in today's NFL with the NFL players, the way they are, you need an indoor facility. And so that was like a big kind of, you know, butting of heads from what I understand in terms of getting that done. And, um, and again, like if you have someone who's more reticent to get that done, I think it, it bodes well, you know, it, it just, it's when, when people are willing to invest in the product, which in this case is the players pay for free agents and all those types of things, like it, it, it should pay dividends long-term. Obviously there are certain, certain situations where that doesn't work. I think Denver right now is a perfect example. You know, you go out, you kind of break the bank for Russell Wilson and then that decision doesn't look like it's going to bear the fruit that you thought. So you got to be sound with your talent evaluation and hiring the right talent evaluators, which again, this is interesting when you get a guy who's not really familiar with football and Bezos coming in, because how do you make a decision about a football hire? Like, there's right. no easy way to do that. It's not like in the interview process, you don't even really know what it is. You know what I mean? You right. don't even know what good football is. So again, there you have, I, I think what the NFL does though, is they have, sorry to interrupt, but like they have, they have resources that can help with that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like you've got to hire the right president. Right. And then that guy's got to do all the rest of the good stuff. But like, how do you hire the right president if you've never been in this business before? Yeah. It'd be like, I don't know, to make like a weird comparison. It'd be like if I was opening some type of restaurant and I had to hire a chef, like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what makes a good chef. I don't know what chef fits my, my restaurant model, my style. I don't want a five-star chef if I'm opening up a competitor to Chipotle, right? I don't need that level of chef. I don't need that level of organization. But if I am opening up a five-star restaurant, like I want somebody very good. And how do I distinguish based on styles, based on whatever? So I think that's, again, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the new ownership and, um, you know, if he's got a resource like that, I mean, I'd just be fascinated how you go about getting into an industry with little to no background in that industry and trying to make competitive decisions, you know? So that'll be interesting. But again, the money to your point, I think would be very, um, very advantageous. Well, then the last part of the two though, is the, on the football side, right? The development of players I think is huge just from a pure facility standpoint. Like when you look at what they have here compared to what they have, like I'll I'll use Chicago as an example, because I've used this one before. They have the the virtual classroom. I don't know oh, if they yeah. had that when you were there. Um, no, they had, it, they had it in Houston though when I was there. Okay, so it's it's a place that or a thing that they have in a lot of places now at this yeah. point. But like basically, you can project film onto a wall 
and the classroom is like a mini turf field and you can yeah. walk through stuff. Right. And for some players, that's going to fit their learning style. And if you have a player that learns that way and you don't have that resource available, that player's not going to be as successful in your system and your scheme and your program because they're just not being taught to in a way that that works for them. And so I think that is a huge loss. And you look at some of the, the development issues that you've had with players over the years that are supremely physically talented. Like, did they just miss the mental evaluation or did they not have the resources available to get the most out of that player? Sometimes it, it can be a little bit of both, but you might as well mess around and find out with Bezos's money and give that, give your coaches every resource available uh, to figure out like, hey, all right, we have, it was the player. We messed up the evaluation. We yeah. shouldn't have brought that guy in because... Uh, we taught him every which way from Sunday, and and he he could not figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think I think with the the digital classroom, I don't necessarily think it speaks to like a different learning style necessarily, but I think it does make your ability to go through multiple plays more efficient. And what I mean by that is like instead of having to get a scout team lined up and like draw the cards, you can just take the film and like throw like clip forty two yeah. from the New Orleans game. Let's put that up there and walk through the blitz. And so. That is um, that is a nice resource from a time management from the coach's standpoint, from a personnel standpoint in terms of, you know, just having bodies available. Uh, so, yeah, I think those types of things are, are great. And right now, I think one of the issues is there's not really a spot for it in the in the current, current setup. Facility, facility, right. but, um, yeah, but you know, I think, you know, player development, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, like that is so huge to building a roster in an organization. Um, but you know, like, how do you do it now with the new CBA? And that's a, that's a conversation for another day. But I think that's a fascinating, fascinating point. Yeah. Well, it would help too if you have the Mac. You talk about the efficiency. You maximize your weight room stuff too. Like they don't really have a lot of space to do some of the things that other teams. I was I was watching this YouTube video yesterday of the Vikings facility, and like they have a speed hill. Um, yeah. You know, they don't. Yeah. They don't have like, that. Look here. at Michigan. Um, look at Michigan. They have like power steps. Oh, well, I mean, they have all sorts of crazy stuff. But yeah, well, the but, colleges are just out of control because they don't have to pay the players, so they spend all the money on that stuff. But like, there are some NFL outfits now that have kind of college. It's weird that I'm saying this, but like, they have college caliber weight rooms. Yeah. And that's gonna help you get the most out of players. Like again, we're talking about a league where the margins are very small, and you know, if you can help a player get a little bit faster, a little bit stronger keep a guy healthy um, because you have some modality or resource that another team doesn't have, then you're maximizing your chances of winning when it comes to Sundays in the fall. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. But I, again, I go back to like, you could spend all the money you want. And this is, again, I, I know this isn't the point, but you, you only have access, and you know, as a strength coach, you only have access to the player for such a limited window mm -hmm. now because of the CBA. So how much tissue change, how much resource, you know, you can't you can't enact a ton of change in two months like it just isn't feasible especially when they're taking a ton of time off and all that kind of things but your point is still sound you know what i mean like getting more tools available you know even just from like a data monitoring standpoint like hiring yeah. an extra person on the staff like 100 right like the, the I mean, that's the, a huge huge element i don't know how their staff here i mean i know their data analytics department on the football side is one of the smallest in the league but like, I don't right. know how their strength staff sizes up, how their their nutrition staff sizes up. Um, you know, their quality control coaches, like other teams with a hundred coaches running around. Uh, maybe not a hundred, but there are teams with definitely more, and there's probably some teams with less. But when when a coach, a GM, a team president can go to the owner and be like, "Hey, we need more," and the owner doesn't think twice about it, um, that's that's definitely appealing. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know the data analytics here; they have one of the brightest guys in the NFL doing that, but he's doing it by himself. So how could he allocate his time and his resources in terms of developing new methodologies and new systems if he had just an intern, another person right. on staff that could crunch the numbers and 
print the reports and do that kind of stuff. So it, it, those are, to me, those are the more impactful things, like just staff size. You know, I think someone, uh, they were talking about this on PFF, how, you know, how you are limited by the salary cap, but you're not limited mm-hmm. in terms of coach's salary. Like you can right. pay as many people as you want to be on staff. And there are precedents set. But I think about like, man, like why have one quality control guy when you could have two? And just mm-hmm. have, split the work, divide that up. They can get to more. They can get to more film. They can do more things. They can work on more projects. But for whatever or reason, just be fresher because they're not in the building till eleven o'clock at night and back at five a.m. every day. Like that, and, yeah. and like that's not just looking out for their quality of life. Like that's going to make them better at the things they do because they will not be exhausted all the time, which is generally the life of a football coach. Yeah. So I think that to me, that's where the again the facilities. I think you can get by with what they have now. I think they they would be it would be great if you could improve them, obviously. But I think the staff, the paying for the coaches, free agents, all those things that that's where the the ownership I think becomes a little bit more significant.